But we're not of them. Say we're not of them. That turn back into perdition. We're of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Oh, we're not of them that go back. We're of them that go forward. That press on. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're not of them. There are tares among the wheat, but we're not of them. There are hypocrites in the church. Thank God none of them are... Well, that don't mean everybody's not here as a hypocrite, but thank God there's none in this room right now, okay? Right? <laughs> no mug wumps? If you are, I pray that you get your wump on, the, on in here with your mug. Can you say amen? amen. But I can tell the in-betweens. Because you can't manufacture joy no matter what you do. Amen. Until you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and make up your mind to make a quality decision to follow and serve the Lord, you will never find happiness in that new house. You'll never find happiness with a new car. You'll never find happiness with losing 20 pounds. Amen. I remember when I lost 40 pounds. I lost 40. I went from 212. I lost more than 40. I went from 212 pounds all the way down to 165. Wow. I was, I was eating chicken broth. When you get it, you know, that was a meal for me. Chicken broth. Drinking hot chicken broth. I lost it fast. I lost muscle tissue. I lost energy. <laughs> if you help me. When, I, you ever seen one of those greyhound dogs where you can see their whole rib cage when you hold them up? That's what I look like. I, 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 I could have blacked out. My sugar level, my electrolytes, everything was going haywire. Amen. One day I scared myself. I felt faint. And I wasn't fasting. I was just, this was cosmetic. It wasn't even for my health. I was hurting my health. I just wanted to look good in my suit. <laughs> and that can become vanity, you know. Now, when I did it for health reasons, I did it the right way. I ate right. I found where my plateau was, but I lost quickly. I lost from 212 down to 165 pounds, and one day I got a drop. Oh, I got a drop. <laughs> I went. I, I, there was a church's fried chicken in over on the somewhere on Nebraska, and over on Florida there was Bo's ice cream place, and I got me a big. Two big chicken breasts, deep fried chicken breasts from Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I rode over to Bo's and I got me a large pina colada milkshake. Pineapple coconut milk, a large, the biggest one they had. And I, I'm telling you, I put on the feed bag. I thought, Lord have mercy, I done starved myself till I'm going to fall out. And I'm going to replenish today. <laughs> Amen. Ate them two chicken breasts, boy. They were gone and then washed it down with a pina colada milkshake. And you could just taste that coconut and those chunks of pineapple and that good old ice cream. Amen. And then I got my energy back. And I thought if I keep doing this to get my energy back, I'll be 225 pounds next time. Amen. So I had, to, I had to find a way to do this with wisdom. Now, if I was tall as you, I wouldn't have to lose no weight whatsoever. Amen. I'd be the perfect weight today. Amen. But did you know something? I wasn't happy without finding in my spiritual life. <laughs> 
Something that said your value is not what you look like to other people. Your value is not how you feel about yourself cosmetically. Your value is the price that was paid for you and the love that was granted you in Jesus Christ. And I love you, son. (laughs) Amen. And I thought, well, I'm just going to bask in his love. And I'm not going to worry about all the other things that can get our eyes off the prize. Hallelujah. And I'm going to run with patience the race that set before me and I found out I couldn't stay uh, at a I wanted to get down to 153 I thought if I could get to a, see when I was 112 I thought if I can get under 200 I'm gonna be happy I got 197 said Lord have mercy I'm gonna go for 180 I got to 180 and I still wasn't happy I said Lord look at here I'm really losing now drinking chicken broth for one of my meals and then go out and preach until I sweat through my clothes and oh Lord I was getting in bad shape I think all of that began that process where I went through nervous exhaustion I wasn't getting my sleep I don't need no sleep I got too much to do for the Lord coffee oh that was my stimulant to get me going nothing wrong with coffee thank the Lord thank you Jesus Thank you. There's nothing wrong with coffee. Hallelujah. (laughs) Come on, sister. Give me a fist bump. I saw you saying amen back here. Amen. Lord, if someone preached coffee was sin, I'd go to another church. I'll tell you right now. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Anything sin, when it becomes a hindrance to your spiritual progress. Amen. 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 (laughs) Hallelujah. But it isn't coffee, thank God. Amen. I got down to my target weight of 165 finally. And I felt good and I looked good. And I read a statement that I told others. It lasted a little while. That nothing tastes as good that being, as being thin feels. Wrong. <laughs> you do not go to the Golden Corral uh, to eat watercress and salad. Amen. Hallelujah. And I found out I can't hurt myself like I was doing. I need to get my nutrition. I need to get my rest. And not only enough sleep at night, I need to learn how to rest in the Lord. The Bible said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Amen. Rest in the Lord. Jesus said, come apart that you may rest for a while. God not only wanted us to rest our body and mind on a Sabbath day. He wanted to rest the land. Amen. And he wanted them to rest. Rest is part of his plan. Hallelujah. And I was too busy to rest before Jimmy Swaggart fell. He was too busy to rest. And a psychologist uh, looking at, that was close to the situation said he burned himself out. He didn't take time to replenish, not only physically, emotionally, mentally, and physically. He didn't take the time. And I remember him preaching before he fell, and it sounded really good because he said, You preachers that go out there and go fishing. Well, there's nothing wrong with fishing if you don't do it instead of doing the Lord's work. There's nothing wrong with with having a hobby that you can enjoy. Spurgeon had a garden. The prince of preachers had a garden that he tended. 
He loved to go out and get in nature and get in that garden. One day they asked him, C.H. Spurgeon, if you knew the Lord was coming tomorrow, what would you do different? To, what would you do different today? He said, I preached yesterday. I prayed yesterday. I prayed when I got up this morning. He said, I have done what God has called me to do and been what God has called me to be. I would be, when He comes, if He comes, I'll be working in my garden. I'll be, why? Because you can't do it all, all the time, without some rest. And recreation, recreation. When Mike gets an opportunity to go somewhere, he's not just going to somewhere, he's going from something that's on him all the time. They gave him, a, him and another teacher, what, 100 students that had failed math? And this is the math department. And they're under the pressure and under the gun to bring their grades up. And the kids don't care. And by and large, many of their parents don't care. And they're under that pressure. It's hard to be a teacher. I was considering one time as when I was bivocational driving a school bus. And I thought, uh-uh. My wife told me, said, no, no, you'd never make a good school bus driver. And you know why. That's why you're chuckling. Amen. I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take that. I'd fly off the handle. It'd be the devil giving me that job so he could have my picture in the paper. Yeah. Whipped the child and whipped his mommy too. <laughs> that that wouldn't go over too good. And then dad would come down, and I don't even know if I could whip him. And he whipped me, and then we're all getting whipped, and that's not good testimony. So I'll let her drive the school bus. <laughs> no, she don't want to drive no And keep my mind on my driving and, and make everybody sit down. Lord, have mercy. I'd park that sucker and quit. Leave everybody beside the road. Call the school's department and say, there's a bus out here. It's, it's, uh, it's not running. Is it broke down? No, it just isn't running. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of kids in it and somebody need to come get them. I suggest you call their parents because they're the reason it's not running. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. I just have nightmares about, you know, teenagers and not not you. You're, are you still a teen? You're 20. You're not a teenager. I can talk about teenagers. Hallelujah. Oh, and you're not a teenager yet. I can talk about teenagers. And you're not a teenager yet, are you? All right. I can talk about teenagers. Oh, junior high. Oh, my son. When you have to have police officers at the school for junior high school kids, you've got to have a cop on duty. And it's not to keep people from coming in and doing something wrong. It's to keep the people that are in there. 50,000 teachers are assaulted every single year. 50,000 is what I read. It may be an exaggeration, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't be one of those. I couldn't. I mean, I love people. I'm a Christian. There are certain jobs I cannot do because I know what the devil would do to tempt me, test me. And I'm not sure I could pass the test, so I'm not even going over into that. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But he didn't call me to be a school bus driver. 
Thank God he called me to be a preacher. Anyway, just thought I'd say that. Mugwumps. In the Christian community, there are many. See, the worst thing about backsliding is backsliders do not want to admit that they are backsliding. They don't want to acknowledge. See, a mugwump wants to keep the world over here and all of its advantages to my flesh. But kick that foot in the door of the kingdom in case I need God to come through when the world can't help me. And you find people that are unstable. Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim. He was supposed to be the double portion tribe in Israel. The one that when everything is divided up, he would be an heir of a double portion because he was the firstborn. Ephraim began to compromise. Ephraim began to go into sin. Ephraim began to be like a cake unturned. That's a pancake or a potato cake or any kind of cake put in a frying pan and is done on one side and doughy on the other. Everybody say mugwump. Done on one side, doughy on the other. Jesus came to the church of Laodicea and he found that same situation. I would that you were hot or cold. Why would he wish anybody to be cold? He wanted them to acknowledge their need to get right with him. And you know what was keeping them from it? Because they were in church. It was the church of Laodicea. It was not the world. The world world is not lukewarm. They've never been hot. They can't cool down. The only ones can cool down is us. And that's why the devil works overtime trying to put the fire out. The fire of the first love. The fire of zeal for God. The fire of your testimony. Your enthusiasm. Your commitment. Your devotion. He wants to put it out. Because he knows what will come. And that's lukewarmness. If you were fully backslid. You're a candidate. For forgiveness and restoration. Through repentance. But if you preach repentance to the lukewarm, you'll never see them in an altar. They'll preach to you. They, they'll, they'll try to cover their own lukewarmness by preaching so strongly unto you. And you'll think, boy, that person's committed. Had somebody say, y'all let so-and-so preach. I thought, you don't know so-and-so like I know so-and-so. Don't let nobody kid you. I'm not fooled when people come on strong, but their life doesn't match Amen? I require that a life matches up. I'm not just looking for anointing on somebody. There was an anointing on Samson. If you follow Samson, you end up committing sin and being bound by the devil and blinded. I don't know why we make him such a hero. He didn't die a hero's death. He did not die a hero's death. He did not die a hero's death. This is a stern warning against taking the anointing for granted. 
wrapped up in himself, putting sensual pleasure above the anointing and appointing of God to defend Israel. And he died with his enemies. God strengthened him for his own name's sake, not for Samson's sake. How do you know? Because he did not say, Lord, strengthen me one more time that I may bring honor back to your name that I have caused to be defiled, that I've called to be criticized. Oh, Lord, show me your glory that men may know that you're the true and the living God. No, no, he was mad as an old wet hen because they plucked his eyes out. Because of his sin and his compromise. They couldn't have touched him if he hadn't laid his head in Delilah's lap. And I'm going to tell you what the world is to the mugwump. The world is Delilah's lap. There's a comfort there. And they are comforted there. They find their comfort in Delilah's lap. It's a sensual pleasure place. It's a pleasure palace for the flesh. It's a playground for our flesh. The Las Vegas commercials are so brazen and upfront, aren't they? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You can come here and commit adultery and nobody will know it. You can come here and be sexually promiscuous and nobody's going to tell because everybody is doing it in Vegas. I'm going to tell you something about the Christian Nothing stays anywhere. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This gets so serious. It's a hard time. I said it on the radio broadcast. This is a tough time to be a pastor. That's why thousands leave the ministry per month. Tens of thousands per year. 1,500 ministers will resign their church, turn in their papers, and walk away from ministry in the USA before this month is out. 1,700 per month. So much that a A best-selling book to pastors years ago was Pastors, an Endangered Species. And if you're not the pastor of a megachurch driving a Bentley, and you're really trying to see a revival, and you're not comfortable just with the stuff and 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 the prestige of it, But if you're down in the trenches and you want to see a revival and you want to see families strong, strengthened, and you want to see young people following the Lord, you say, Brother Vimba, you're too old to relate to young people. No, I'm not, am I? Thank you for that affirmation today. I'm pretty hip when you get right down to it. Amen. Amen. 
God is, I, I'm, I'm, I know what's going on in the world. I'm not burying my head in the sand. I know what's cool. I know what's uncool. And I know what's real and what's relevant, what's truth. And I believe there's a generation of young people coming on. I believe if God can't shake the old church world, amen, that's so cut and dried, I believe he's going to begin a movement. I got saved. I began my ministry during the Jesus movement. In 1974, I became pastor of the Holy Church of God. 1974. Thank God. I was on the crest of a wave of Holy Ghost revival among young people. And we saw the hippies and dippies and everybody else coming in, getting excited about Jesus, singing about Him, wanting to serve Him, wanting to bring others to Him. Praise God. Amen. We saw at the Holy Church of God, after a service was over, we were praying for people. The Sunday school kids come up from Sunday school, and there was about 15 to 20 of them. About 20, actually. They filled the back row, two back rows. And I looked up because I heard kids crying. And I looked up, and all those kids, anywhere from 12 down to 8 or 10, they were kneeling at the altar crying out to God. The Holy Ghost had got a hold of them and they were crying out to God and seeking God. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. I've seen it. I've seen it. And it's not, it's in my lifetime. I've seen what God wants to do and what God will do. But when the parents are uncommitted, and the, and the parents hit and miss. They come to church. They sit home. They go here. They run there. They're too busy for this. They're too busy for that. The kids see that and say, that's not important. Couldn't be important. For we got saved. We went to an Assembly of God church. We sat in the back. I knew the way of salvation. And I was a mugwump. And I was unhappy. Oh, I didn't know the way of salvation. But we sit down three rows from the back. And some teenagers on the back row threw spitballs at us through the whole service. Until before the altar call could even be made. I was, you see, I was a mugwump. So I, I had that wump in the world. And I thought, if they hit my wife one more time, I can take it for a while. But if they hit my wife one more time, one of them spitballs... I'm going to go back there and me and some teenagers are going to have a little talk. A little talk. We're going to have a big talk. Amen. I mean, you know, that will get on your nerves after a while. You're in God's house and these are God's Sunday school kids acting like that. And the first thing I think of is their parents. Because I was a parent of teenagers and kids growing up. We, we... My Lord, you did not act up in God's house. You might do it at your house at home, but you did not do it in God's house. You did not do that. Amen. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I remember Matthew. He come home from church. He, he was doing something, and his mama was up there singing with the choir. We actually had a choir then, and she, she looked out at him, and she gave him that look. It's all she had to do is give him that look. And he knew when I get home, when I get home, something is going to occur. Because she had to give me that look to get me to quit. She had already given him this look. But he kept doing it. But when she got that look, then he quit. And I got home first. 
And I said, Matt, what's wrong? And he was crying. He said, Daddy, Daddy. Mama looked at me with the mean eyes. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and uh, you know, normally Mama would say, Daddy, you take care of this. But, you know, when Mama got to the mean eyes stage, she wanted to do it herself. <laughs> And sure enough, she took care of business. <laughs> no wonder he, and, and you know, I, I still kind of fear those mean eyes. Myself. <laughs> Amen. God is good today. I stay out here talking too long to somebody and she's ready to go. <laughs> I look over in that car and if I start crying, you'll know she looked at me with the mean eyes. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We have a little code, you know. Mugwumps, they want the best of both worlds. Some are not mugwumps. They're tares among the wheat. They've never known Jesus. Never known Him. But they want the free ticket to heaven. Don't want to know Him. Don't care. But if it gets me a free ticket to heaven, I'm going to go to church. And the Bible said Satan sends them to church. He doesn't keep them from. He knows the gospel isn't going to hit them. It isn't going to penetrate their their darkness. So get them in the church. Why? So that people looking at the church will see the hypocrisy of the church. Because when they go out of church, they're just like the world in every respect. Amen? Amen? And the credibility of the gospel and the testimony of the church to the world, the light, is hindered because people see the hypocrisy. So while the good man slept, the enemy coming sowed tares among the wheat. Now here's what he wants. This is wisdom. Listen to it. If I've got a bunch of tares in the congregation and I start preaching just how hot hell's going to be to try to get those tares saved, which is not going to work in and of itself. I'm going to pull up some wheat while trying to weed them out. Because the people that came with needs in their life are not going to have anything that builds their faith or gives them confidence or consolation. The Bible said, let them alone. It isn't you don't preach the truth, but you don't try to convert people that don't want the truth. You don't cast your pearls before swine. You pray that some Sunday they'll really find Jesus, but you have no expectation of fruit from them because they're tares among the wheat. And the devil sends them to help frustrate pastors and preachers I know preachers right now that say nobody's getting saved, nobody cares. My family's under duress and pressure because I'm, uh, they want their daddy. They don't want their preacher. They want their husband. Like one preacher's wife said, my husband is a wonderful pastor. He is a fantastic preacher. But he's a lousy father and a lousy husband to his family. 
they don't get the balance. And, and when that tension between the family and the, and the church and God and His call, when it's not in balance, people get discouraged and they get disgusted. 1,700 will leave the ministry because of discouragement, because of family problems it creates. I was asked to speak to pastors on the subject, how to live in the fishbowl without drowning. Because pastors live in a fishbowl. Do you realize that? There's a good side to that. Because if you really follow Jesus and people's eyes are on you, you can say, follow me as I follow Christ. There's an influence that you have that nobody else but you can have that kind of influence. So there's a positive thing here. But the negative is, everything you say and do will be analyzed and on many occasions criticized. Hello? It will. Someone will criticize the way you pray. I've had people criticize the way I pray. I remember one man who stood up and said an anointed prayer over over the congregation was asked to pray like Brother Taylor does and, and he pronounced two words wrong in his prayer. And someone caught him after church. Boy, they got him. Do you realize you pronounced this wrong? And you know what? He listened to the critique of his prayer and he said, well, there's all I can say. I, I'm not highly educated, but God knows my heart. And besides, I wasn't talking to you. Amen. <laughs> I like that. I was talking to him. And he knows my heart. And he knows what I mean. And he hears what I call. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So 1,700 leave because we're living in the falling away. And we're living in the time of tares among the wheat. Because Satan wants to kill any credibility of a Christian witness to the people sitting in the darkness of this world. And we are the light of the world. In the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, instead of being overwhelmed by it, discouraged by it, disgusted with it, give up and quit and sit home with the poor old me's, we rise up. Oh, if there was a keynote message for this year, it would be this. Isaiah is old, old covenant to Israel coming back into right relationship with God and being a witness to those around them of the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 60. Arise and shine. For thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, and shall be seen upon thee. Can you say amen? Another portion says, Shake thyself from the dust, O captive daughter of Zion. Cast off your chains. Get rid of all of this bondage, and represent a great king. Hallelujah. And a mighty covenant-keeping God. Wow. This is not a day to sit down and become passive. This is a day to rise up. I want to preach now more than I've ever wanted to preach when so many people don't want to hear it. I want to do something great for God. I, I, oh, I, I, want, to, I want to see 
a move of God before Jesus comes. <laughs> I want to be able to say I was there. I saw it. I was part of it. I contributed to it. Can you say, man, wherever it takes place, I've been praying for it. If it takes place in, in China, I, I'll rejoice because I've been praying for revival around the world. Hallelujah. If it takes place in Guatemala, I will be thanking God for the revival in Guatemala. If it happens in Canada, I'll get in my car and we'll head north. Can you say, man, I want to be part of it. I want to be a participant in it. But if I can't go where it is, I'm going to thank God that it's occurring because we need a revival, church. We need a, You know we need a revival. Big churches are not enough to impact this world. We need Christians that have a light that can shine and shatter the darkness. In the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, you shine, you shine, you shine. Hallelujah. Porchlight illustration, best illustration I know. I left home, it's on. My wife will turn it off when she discovers it's on. It's on and nobody cares. Except Tampa Electric that goes ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Amen. Sees more use. Porchlight is on. But it's broad daylight. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to say. Nobody's going to notice. It's not even in their peripheral do they ever notice. But midnight tonight, if that porch light is burning, you can't help but notice it's burning. Because the darkness does not put out the light. The light dispels the darkness. And... On top of that, the darkness enhances the light. The light is brighter as it gets darker. And in the midst of a wicked, perverse generation... Listen to this. Let me finish Isaiah 60. Let me start from the beginning. Darkness shall cover the earth. Gross darkness, thick impenetrable darkness shall cover the people. So get up and shine. Because they're going to notice it now more than they will ever notice it. Where sin doth abound, His grace doth abound. So He causes His people with the light to rise up in the midst of that darkness. Can you say man? And Satan is counting on us putting the light under a bushel. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible said no man does that. If you light a candle, you don't put it under a bushel. You light it so the light can illuminate and penetrate the darkness. You hold it high so that everybody in the house might see. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The devil knows we're God's light bearers in this sin-darkened world. And if we wake up, and we fill up with the Holy Spirit and we stand up and represent a great and mighty God in a glorious kingdom. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to notice. And then you better get a spirit of readiness. Be ready to give an answer to all men for the reason of the hope that is in you. Because they're going to ask you. In light of what the papers are saying, what the, what the internet is conveying, what, what all of the news media is bringing, what's happening in the church world, oh, friend of mine, what's happening can bring anybody down except those that God is saying clearly to, to stand up, rise up. 
Because somebody's going to notice, and you better be ready to share Jesus with them. They're going to ask you, where did you get that kind of hope in a world like this? People ask me, how could you preach right after losing your son? I'm not going to tell you there wasn't pain, and I'm not going to tell you there's not painful moments. Our postmistress, her daughter, died of cancer about six months ago, and and uh, she's the lady at the post office, actually, but she always looks for me because we're both Christian. Her name is Sandra. Good name, good name, good name. Amen. And, and she, uh, she I, I told her when I mailed my broadcast, I've been mailing my broadcast at the post office for seven years. And I mailed my broadcast, and she said, I prayed for her and told her, I would hold her up in prayer. She said, my daughter is with the Lord. She accepted Christ as her Savior. And when I came through the line, I said, now I've joined your club. She said, what club is that? I said, my son has preceded me to heaven, just like your daughter beat you to heaven. And so the next time, a few weeks later, when I happened to get the same lady, you, you know, she said, how was your holidays? I said, they were wonderful. They were good, and I can't explain it. She said, I know. She said, I have those times. I said, I do too. But it's just a fleeting time because God is real. His peace is real. And answered prayer for my son's salvation is real. Hallelujah. Praise God, and I'm old enough to know it won't be long until I'm going to be with Him forever. Hallelujah. He can't come to me, but I can go to Him just like David said. Hallelujah. And, and, and before I even notice pearly gates, before I even notice golden streets, I'm going to run to my Jesus and thank Him for the cross. Hallelujah. And before I notice the tree of life and the river of life, I'm going to bow before my God and King and thank Him. And then I'm going to start looking for my son playing guitar with David. Hallelujah. Praising the Lord. And I'm also going to look for my daughter. I have two boys and one girl. Where's that girl? She was a preemie. She went straight from here to heaven. Hallelujah. And I believe she's going to meet me at the gate along with Jesus and say, Dad, there's so much to see here, and I've been living here all these years, and I believe she's going to take me by the hand, and me and Lisa are going to walk around heaven, and she's going to show her daddy what she has lived with all those years. And it's going to be a... Oh, man, thank God for golden gates. Praise the Lord for streets of gold. But if the people you love are not there, and if Jesus isn't there, I like the song by Walt Mills. If the walls were not jasper, and the streets were not gold, if mansions should crumble, and if people still grew old, Still I'd have everything my soul longs to see. For where Jesus is, it will be heaven for me. Heaven for me. Heaven for me. Where Jesus is will be heaven for me. Oh, friend, not only Jesus, but my daughter, my son, my daddy, 
my mama, my grandpa, my grandma, my uncle, and my aunt. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And now, my grandson. Hallelujah. It's going down the line. God is saving my family, my household. We're going to live together forever. Hallelujah. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see my loved ones. I can't wait to see my Savior. Can you say amen? And that's why I... I'll I'll never be on the fence. If I can't go out all out for God, there's no other way for me. If I can't believe God for revival, I could never be happy with a hundred people in a building meeting all the finances and taking care of everything. Because people decide on that, how they feel at any given time. But that's up to people. That's between them and God. But I am committed to follow and serve Jesus. I worked and made my own way for 12 years, bivocational, and I didn't miss a Sunday. Talk about having excuses to miss. I had hurt back. I had, I had all kinds of, when you go to work in manual labor at 50 years of age, uh, you get some boo-boos. <laughs> you really, really do. And I'll do it again at 71 if it becomes necessary to preach the gospel. I won't wait on people to decide whether it's worth their time or worth their tithe or worth anything. Because if I wait on people, I won't get nothing done for God. Amen. I'll be as inconsistent as people can be. But if I set myself to serve the Lord, somehow He's going to bless me. Somehow He's going to make a way for me. Somehow He's going to provide for me and my family. I want want my... I want my family secure so when I go to heaven, they don't get put out of their home. God's going to see to that. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God's going to see to that. He's never failed me. Down through all of these years and through all of these tears, God has been faithful. And He's brought people that are faithful. Thank God for them. I'd been one of those 1,700 if there wasn't some faithful people that would just step up at the right time. And, and God would say, now look at this. Don't look at that. That'll get you down. That'll disgust you. That'll discourage you. Look at this right here. And I said, oh, Lord, I want to thank you. Because the faithful few have sustained a consistent ministry for 44 years in and I'm talking about a few a very small very narrow number have sustained a ministry for 44 years and encouraged me hallelujah because of their faithfulness and consistency and their love for God and his house and his work and their concern that his servants be taken care of amen Is it okay to take care of the servants of the Lord? Is that something that should be a priority? Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They sow spiritual things, eternal things. We sow material. And it all works together for the furthering of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say mugwump. I don't want to be one. I'm not going to be one. When the line is drawn, 
I've already made up my mind. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to pray about it. I'm on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. i got to tell you this. I hope it will make you smile before before we receive communion and the offering. Together, we're going to receive them both almost simultaneously. Two big bulls are standing in the pasture. And there's about 30 cows uh, down here in the other part of the pasture. And a great big semi-truck comes roaring up to the gate of the pasture. And the biggest bull, the guy has bought another bull. And it's the biggest bull that they have ever seen. The, the, the trailer on that semi-tractor shaking back and forth. That thing in there is big, over 2,000 pounds. He comes snorting and tromping down the ramp to, and into the pasture. And he's got a ring in his nose because the only way they can handle him is put that pain on his nose to get him to go anywhere. He is big and he is bad and he's snorting and he's pawing the ground. And one of those bulls looks over at the other and sees that big thing and he starts snorting and pawing. And his friend says, Hey, why are you doing that? You're not going to stand up against him, are you? He says, No. I just want to make sure he don't mistake me for a cow. Come on now, stay with me. Stay with me. You gotta you gotta stand somewhere. Amen. Amen. You gotta take a stand somewhere. You got to identify. Somebody say, I got to identify. I want to identify with Jesus. How about you? I want to make sure when he comes, he knows I'm one of his. I'm one of his sheep. I'm one of his followers. Oh no, I'm not blending with the world. I'm not wearing camouflage, Christian camouflage, so I can be accepted by the world. I want the white glowing robe of righteousness. I want to be identified as one of his children hallelujah take this whole world and give me jesus i won't turn back i won't turn back this bright light of mine i'm going to let it shine can you say man shine till jesus comes hallelujah i've seen 30 year old preachers don't have this much energy on sunday morning because they're very the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the world be silent before Him. Honey, if He's in His temple, there's no silence. They're singing, they're shouting, angels are dancing. Praise God, if noise bothers you, you do not want to go to heaven. <laughs> Amen. Because that's going to be one noisy place. It's noisy right now. Angels are, are crying out praise to Him. The four and twenty elders are praising Him night and day. Can you say man? And we're down here praising Him this morning.